How's everybody doing? Wow. That was... Thank you. I'm glad Brody's good. Nobody else sounded like they're good. Man, I like the setup. I kind of like the little half circle we got going on here. All right. Let's get into it, guys. A few months back in September, um, I participated in this thing called uh, the Bataan Death March. Sounds kind of intense. Like, what is a death march? But what it is, it's a 13-mile memorial march in honor of men that served in World War II, actually. So my unit in the Army uh, dates all the way back to 1941, and every year in September, there's some funny photos of it, uh, every year in September we do this 13-mile march to honor the men who served. So if you guys aren't familiar with what the Bataan Death March is back in the Southeast Pacific in World War II, um, the unit from Minnesota, some guys were from Brainerd, Minnesota, were prisoners of war, and they were forced to march over 60 miles through the southeast Pacific with no water, no food. They're being beaten to death. They're on an unknown path for an unknown amount of time to an unknown prison camp, and they don't even know when it's going to finish, but they know that they're just walking, and some of them are killed, some of them don't make it, but they're just walking. So now what we did is a little bit different. Obviously, we're in Brainerd, Minnesota, so we're not prisoners of war, but we're doing it in honor of them. We're not being beaten. We're only walking for 13 miles on gravel with water and snacks, so it's kind of cush. But we did it in honor of the men who served before us, some of which who never made it. And so we're walking. We have like 50 to 60 pounds on our back, and you literally just just walk like a dope just down the road, and people are honking at us because they're they think it looks cool, but really we're just like, this is terrible. Like, this is, this is taking forever. And I remember we're at the starting line. Myself and all my buddies were standing there, and we're like, all right, this is going to be interesting. Um, being forced to walk for 13 miles when we could be doing something better. And we step off, and we're walking. Our goal is to, is to walk for like 13 to 14 minutes per mile so we can be done in around three hours. And we have this whole goal set in our mind to make it there and back in just about three hours. So we step off, mile one through six, it's pretty easy. We're walking, we're like, this isn't too bad, this isn't too bad, and then we reach mile seven, and all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. We turn around, it's literally like you're walking through the woods, and then you just turn around, and you do six miles in the opposite direction. We were smoked, and we were going up those like long backcountry hills where it's just slowly up for like a mile, and then it goes back down, and then it leads right into another one. So the entire time, we're walking uphill, we're in pain, just complaining, hating our lives. Our backs are hurting, feet are hurting, our hands are like numb because our bags are cutting off the circulation to our arms. And we, we like flip this switch from totally motivated to totally unmotivated and just complaining and feeling sorry for ourselves the entire time. The miles are getting longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and then we reach like mile 10, mile 11, mile 12. And then we take this path down the woods, and we're walking on sand. I can, I can picture it right now. We're walking through a sand trail through the woods. And then all of a sudden, we start hearing, like, cheering coming. And we're like, okay, we're getting close. We're getting close. We're getting close. And then we take a right out of the woods down this road, and we see the finish line. It's like this big banner. Everyone's cheering. And there's, like, if you guys can picture, like, the beginning of a, of a football game, you run through a tunnel, and everyone's, like, freaking out. That's, like, what it looked like. They had one of those big inflatable tunnels. And myself and my buddy look at each other, and we're like, okay, let's go. And it's like, all of a sudden, all the pain 
all the suffering and all the complaining that we, that we were doing just went away, and we started sprinting, like full-on sprinting to the finish line. And I, I literally remember seeing guys who were walking so hard that their feet were bleeding through their shoes, and they just turned on like a new level and just sprinted to the finish. And I crossed the finish line. We finished in like three hours and five minutes. I crossed it. I dropped my bag, and I just laid there on the ground, and I was like, oh. I like, took my shirt off, took my boots off, put my feet up, and got some food, hung out. And I've literally never seen so many, like, grown men that are some of the most physically fit people in, like, hobbling around like they're, like, 98 years old in so much pain. It was really funny, but when I was prepping this message, this story came to my mind because the title of the message tonight is Groans to Glory. I don't know if you guys remember, we've been going through Romans 8 for quite a while now. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about where, how, how Paul talks about this future hope and this future glory in eternity with Jesus and how in this time, in our seasons of life, throughout this whole life as, as an entirety, we're going to face challenges. Our lives on earth are going to be hard. There's going to be suffering that comes our way, suffering in so many different capacities, but it's nothing compared to the glory and the hope and the eternal finish line that God has been preparing for us since the very beginning of time. So here is why I need you guys to listen tonight. As I just said, in this life, we're going to face hardship. It's inevitable. It's going to come. We're going to anticipate a finish line that we can't see. We can't picture the end. We don't know when the end is going to come. It could come right now, right in this second. We don't know. But sometimes the struggles and the sufferings and the challenges that we face, they make us feel hopeless. They make us feel like there's no end in sight. They blur out the finish line that we've been psyching ourselves out into thinking that is coming like right now. So if you seek God and you allow him to work in your life, he will come alongside you and he will carry you to the finish line. That's the big idea that I want you guys to know tonight. If you seek God... You allow him to walk alongside you. You don't run away from him. You don't push him away. He will carry you until the very end. So let me just ask you guys a few, quick, a few questions before we get into the passage. What is your finish line? What are you aiming for? What's your goal? What's your goal in life? Is it to make it in sports? Is it to make a lot of money? What is it? Who knows? What is your prayer life like? Do you even have a prayer life? If you don't have a prayer life, why don't you have a prayer life? Are you focused on your current life and your problems that you're facing right now? Or are you fixing your mind on the internal peace and the eternal comfort that God is preparing for us? So with that being said, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Romans 8, we're going to pick right back up in it. Uh, Jacob has been walking through this one for a little bit. We took a few breaks for Thanksgiving and Zane was in here preaching a message. So we're going to be picking up back in verse 18. And when I think everybody's there, it looks like you guys are pretty good. I'll kick us off. There's a lot of verses, so we're going 18 to 30. So just stay with me. I'm going to read through it. I'm going to do my best to condense it down and make this understandable and tangible for you guys to take home, all right? So Romans 8, kicking off in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it 
in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for, as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, or to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The end. So that was a lot. So stay with me. My first point that I want you guys to remember tonight is this. Look for eternal things. I asked you that question. What is your finish line? What are you looking for? Look for eternal things. So before I get into this, I want all of you guys to hold up one pointer finger. Hold up one pointer finger. Hold it like this close to your face and stare at it. Focus on it. Now take your other pointer finger. Put it out in front of it. Like this. Focus on the one in the front, all right? The one in the back is blurry, isn't it? If you're focusing on the one in the front, it should be crystal clear. Now if you shift your focus to the one in the back, the one in the front becomes blurred out and you can't see it. So if you guys did it properly, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's really easy. But with that being said, here you go. Bring it back in. Bring it back in. With that being said, this front finger that you held up, this is your current life. You're looking at it, and it's right in front of your face. It's right here. The one that you stick out in front of you, that's eternity. That's that finish line that you're striving for. And when you're so focused on the one that's in front of your face, you miss the point that's out in front of you. But when you shift your focus to out in front of you, the stuff right in front of your face all of a sudden becomes blurry. You stop to worry about it, all right? So we have to set our things, set our mind on things that are, that are to come, that are holding us down, that are right in front of us. And the stuff in front of you might be depression, it might be anxiety, it might be a broken relationship, it might be a family member that doesn't love you anymore, it might be a family member that left you. Whatever it may be. You focus your eyes on eternity. You focus your eyes on Jesus and all of his glory. You focus your eyes on the freedom from that sin that you're clinging on to. You focus your eyes on the restoration of that broken relationship that you might have. You focus your eyes on salvation of that friend that you've been praying for forever. This life is similar to a race. This life is similar to, to training for a race. You're grinding. You're suffering. You're groaning. Until the very end, and the end could come like that. It could come so fast. And then you see the finish line, and you're scrambling, and you're shooing everything off, and you're like, oh my, ah! and you make it to the finish line. So all those verses that I just read kicks off by saying, for I consider 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed about revealed to us. You hear the word thrown, you hear the word suffering thrown around a ton. The Bible talks about it all the time. Now, suffering in the time of the Bible for the disciples or for whomever it may be might look a little bit different than what we face today. For them, it looked like imprisonment, looked like public mockery, public beatings, they get stoned, they get public, publicly shamed, and more often than not, it ended with death. Now, there's some places in the world now where that stuff still happens, but you and I are all fortunate enough to live here to where we could freely do this and not be put to shame for us. So maybe the, maybe the suffering or the challenges that we, shape is, that we uh, face is, is rejection. Maybe your family doesn't believe in Jesus, but you do, so they kick you out. Maybe your best friend who wants you to come party with him all of a sudden stops, to be, stops being your friend because you say, I don't want to sin anymore. I want to follow Jesus. Whatever it may be, there's a level of suffering that comes with following Jesus. And the beauty that Paul writes about in this passage is that no matter what it is that we face, there's an end goal. It may be 80 years from now, and it might be in the next two minutes. In verses 20 to 25, Paul talks about how all of us are destined to fail. From the very beginning of time, mankind was destined and cursed to fail. He says in verse 20 that we were subjected to futility, and that we have been groaning together. Then he also follows it up with, we are eagerly awaiting the adoption. And if you guys remember two weeks ago when Jacob was preaching, he talked about becoming adopted as God's child and sitting down, kneeling down at his feet like a little kid looks at his dad, and you're just in full surrender. And he's reaching down to you. He's holding your hand. He's guiding you through this life. He's leading us to redemption of new bodies. One day, these bodies will fade away. These bodies will they'll die. And because of this hope, we can be saved. I can't stress it enough that we're eagerly and patiently waiting for what's to come. But the return of Christ and, and his glory is so much better than what we're facing now. Restored spirits, glory with him. God gave us his Holy Spirit as a free gift for saying yes to him. That here is this gift. He's our advocate. He is the initial deposit. He's like the initial down payment into getting into heaven. He's the one that comes alongside of us, guides us through our prayers, and carries us to the finish line. There's one piece that makes all this possible, and without it, none of it would work, and it's prayer. We cannot fix our eyes on the future glory without earnest, deep prayer. So my, pre- so my second point tonight is to pray for eternal things. Pray for eternal things. First one was look for eternal things, pray for eternal things. Some of you might have come in here with things that are going on that you've been dealing with for years and you've never seen a change. Maybe you've never seen a change because you've never actually prayed about it. Maybe you've prayed about it, but you never changed the way that you pray about it. Or maybe you've come in here with something that you've prayed about for years and nothing's ever happened. And you're like, God, I'm to a point where I don't even know what to say anymore. In verses 26 to 28, Paul talks about that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He uses the term inexplicable groanings, groanings that are so much better than what we can even think that we can't even comprehend it. 
And the beauty and the comfort in this is when you're praying and praying and praying and praying and constantly asking God to work in your life and constantly asking God to bring someone to you, bring someone to himself, reveal himself to somebody, carry you through a tough season, you reach a point where you're like, ah, I can't even do this anymore. I'm not even, I don't even know what to say. I feel like I've said everything that I can say. And God looks at you and goes, I know exactly what you need, but just trust me. You can fall back on that truth. You can surrender it into his hands. You can know that he's up there in heaven. I picture him on his knees, like bearing down, gritting his teeth, praying as hard as he can in ways that we can't even imagine. This brings me so much comfort. This brings me so much peace, not even just to my life, but like to the depths of my soul. It brings me so much peace. Because right now, candidly, I'm at a place in my life where I've been praying for one of my friends for so long that I don't even know what to pray for anymore. I have a reminder set every day on my phone at 10 a.m. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. It's been like two years. And at first it was like, God, help him, help him to move on from this sin. Okay, now help him to move on from this stuff that he's battling with. Help him to reveal, reveal yourself to him in this way. Bring him from this hardship. And now I'm like, God, what, what else can he do? Like, it's like he takes two steps forward and six steps back. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it's so hard to grasp the truth. But the truth is, is that God knows what they need. He knows what we need. The words that we say... It's just so much better. And I've seen the flip side of that in so many different instances. I had a family friend that turned her back on everyone for almost 10 years. A negative relationship led her down a path of rejecting literally everything meaningful in her life. No one heard from her or saw from her or saw her for close to a decade. Her family, my family, Hundreds of different families prayed and 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 prayed until they reached a point where it's like, God, just bring her home. Just save her. And by God's grace, he did. She was reunited with her family, with her friends. And the first time that I ever saw her in 12 years was on my wedding day. I got a call like three days before saying she was coming. I was 12 years old when she left, and then she comes back. God hears our prayers and he helps us when we're in the midst of some of the deepest and darkest days of our lives. Or maybe even some of the happiest. And you're just celebrating. You're like, God, I don't even know what to say right now. You're just so good. But prayer doesn't just stop when he answers. You don't just stop praying when your prayers are answered. You, you continue to worship. You continue to cry out. Just that song, God, your goodness. Thank you for your good. Like just worship. Prayer isn't just asking. Prayer is giving. It's giving to God. Then when you're so used to praying in every single circumstances, you're so prayer-centered that you don't even have to worry about what's to come. You see this hand in front of your face, and you're like, I don't care. You rely so much on the Holy Spirit that is praying for you and with you that the finish line that we talked about at the beginning is all you can think about. It's like me setting my eyes on that microphone in the back and running full speed and everybody throwing so much stuff at me and you're just diving to the finish line. You don't fear the suffering. You don't fear the groanings that you may encounter in this life because you have the future eternity with Jesus to look forward to. 
So my last closing point is this, and I've said it all night long. God will carry you to the finish line. This passage wraps up talking about how all things work together for the good. God works in everything. Everything. Not just like a single, minute instance. Everything. He's always at work. This means that he's always at work in the midst of evil as well. Not just the good things. Not everything that happens to you is good. Sometimes you may be in a season where you feel like the devil is chasing after you more than God's chasing after you, which is not true because he can't. But that, that might be what's going through your head. But the truth is, when you're a threat to the enemy, when you're so fired up and juiced up with Jesus, the devil's going to try to get to you. He's going to try to attack you. So if you feel like, oh, Satan is just all, like, I'm just so tempted with everything right now, chances are you're doing something, something right by following Jesus. You don't have to fear because your eyes are fixed on the truth. Your eyes are fixed on the end. You don't have to doubt if God is going to save you because he follows through with every single promise that he makes. When you're focused and you have your eyes fixed on Jesus and that's all you want to follow, you live with a new mindset. It's like a switch flips. It's like how when on that ruck march that I was talking about, people's feet were bleeding and our backs were hurting and our hands were numb and my feet were killing me. I see the finish line and the switch flips and all of a sudden all of that pain, all of that suffering, all the complaining just goes out the window. You're able to trust in God in every single circumstance. You store your treasures in heaven. You don't care about the stuff that you have on earth because you're going to heaven. You have eternal security in heaven, not here on earth. If you think you live in like a huge house right now and it's really comfortable, you go to the beach and it's amazing, imagine how much better it is up there. You can trust and believe that God is always at work in the midst of your pain and persecution. He never leaves your side, ever. You can look at small, mundane things and tell yourself, this might be a really bad situation right now, but I'm trusting that God will carry me through this and use it for his good. You might have like a flat tire on the side of the road and you have an opportunity to share the gospel with the guy who comes and fix it. Your house floods, and you have a plumber come to your house, and you get to pour into him. Or your basement gets redone, but it's a pain because it's really expensive, but now you have an extra bedroom to share for the homeless guy that doesn't have a room to sleep. So with all this being said, I just want to conclude with the, the same questions that I asked you earlier today. Now that you've heard this, now that you've heard about the finish line and the grind that you're going through to get there and the love that Jesus has for you, I'm going to ask him again, what is your finish line? Do you have at all an idea what your finish line may be? Do you have a hope for eternity? Do you know if you'll spend eternity with Jesus? Can you say for certain, I do have an eternity in heaven? What is your prayer life like? Are you focused on the current life and all your problems, or are you fixing your mind on eternity? God knows your situation. He knows your heart. He knows your desires. He wants to carry you through this season. He wants to come alongside of you in a relationship. He desperately desires to be with like, I don't know how much more like, comforting that can be, knowing that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the one who literally created everything, who could easily just like 
dropkick you into the next realm is like, I want to take your hand. I want to lower myself to you, and I want to love you. And I'm going to walk with you through all of your hard stuff, through all, every, you're going to turn your back on me thousands of times, but I don't care because I love you that much. That's the God that wants to be with you. Whether you've heard that a million times or whether you're, this is your first time hearing it, he loves you, he has a plan for you, he has a purpose for your life, you're not alone. There will be restoration to whatever situation you're going through. I promise you there is more. I promise you that that, that more is better. So I'm gonna invite Logan. Logan, you're doing more songs, yes? Yes, I'm gonna invite Logan and team back up. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna keep worshiping. And I want you guys to think about those questions in your small group tonight. Your small group leaders have questions prepared. They've got content ready to discuss with you. But I want you guys to really think about that. What are you searching for? What are you, what are you fixing your eyes on? Is it eternity or is it yourself? So Jesus, we love you, Father. I'm so, so thankful for this privilege that it is to preach your gospel, Lord. And I pray for everybody in here that just heard this, Father, whether, whether they have heard it for a thousand times or whether this is their first time, Father, just reveal yourself in ways that we can't even imagine. God, in inexpressible groanings, Father, come alongside these students. Come alongside these adults in the room, too. This isn't just for students. The gospel's for everybody, Father. We love you, Jesus, and we just glorify and dedicate this night to you in your name.